everybody, this is an episode of the Yurt, podcast one. Um, we got... My name's Danny, Danny Staten, just a local cycling geek. <laughs> okay, so uh, how long you been riding? I've been riding for nine years now, it was nine years in November, so yeah. Okay, and like uh, mountain biking? Or I'm, I'm a roadie. Road um, cycle? My brothers have been trying to get me into a uh, mountain and... I don't know. I just, I guess every rock and stump and thing, it feels like a broken bone waiting to happen to me. Yeah. You know? I used to dirt jump BMX when I was a kid and that was a lot of fun. But Yeah. Um, so you want to tell everybody about what the, uh, the Everest Summit you were doing? Yeah. So there's a, a challenge that's kind of gained popularity called Everesting where you, you find a climb, you use a segment on Strava. And you repeat the segment until you have gained the elevation to match the summit's elevation of Everest, which is like 28,600 feet or something like that. Okay. And so um, it's it's a lot of climbing. It's a long day on the bike. For me, it took... Um, I, I probably hit official Everest elevation in about 21 hours, but I did some extra credit to make sure they were going to certify it. And it was about a 23-hour day. And, uh, is that straight? So you, 21 hours, you did a 23 hour day. So you had two hours of break. Um, well you, you, uh, stopped to eat and yeah. you know, the, the rule for that is you just can't sleep. And, um, for me, the challenge was staying fueled. And so that was, it was 21 hours, but it was probably about 19 or 18 hours of moving time. Cause I'd stop and eat almost every lap. Cause I was just, I was just all so hungry the whole time. But, um, yeah, it was a good day. It was a lot of fun. Is that something you train for? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, if you a lot of it's just getting the volume in and getting the climbing. And, um, yeah, just doing that. Uh, you just got to be ready for a long day in the saddle and, you know, figure out your fueling strategy. I've done a fair number of long endurance efforts, and I have never had the trouble with fueling like I did for this. Um, I've done a few, you know, um, some Ironman triathlons and other things that, so I thought I had my fueling down packed, and it didn't go as well as I would have liked on that day. So for a lot of endurance things, it's mostly sorting out how you fuel. And what so, year did you do that? Um, this I did the, my Everest ride um, just in September of this year. So Okay. Um, I picked the uh, Sundance, the south side of Sundance, um, and repeated that. There, there are different strategies people go for. Um, if you're looking to be super fast, you'll find a a shorter steep segment that you can descend really quickly okay um but then you're doing like 80 laps or something nuts like that and i knew that would just drive me nuts and i'd, <laughs> and I'd, and I'd lose count and i had i had no desire if i was going to do it i wanted to do it somewhere that i love and the sundance side of the alpine loop is one of the best places in the world to ride in my opinion yeah that's super pretty up there and, and uh, i happened to hit it when there were fall colors just Oh. fire and i mean it was it was an amazing day on the bike um and so for me that was really cool and the longer nature of each lap kind of helped fight the monotony that i think yeah. i would have had for the short quick laps because every lap was different with the lighting because there was just enough time that the sun would be in a different spot and you get different shadows and um just a different look um first lap was early enough in the morning that i could see headlamps from hikers just in the dark um, going up past the Timpanogos Trail, I looked up on the mountain and saw a trail of headlamps. That was kind of cool. Um, you know, and then through the day and <clears throat> into the night, uh, kept going. Um, 
had good support from uh, friends in the cycling club I ride with. Made it an amazing experience. So were other people doing the same summit, or was um, it? Well, they they would ride a lap or two with me. Okay. And people came out. Um, in particular, a uh, friend Troy Hebner and a friend Cameron Scott came out during the day, and then they came back and rode with me in the night. And they finished. They they rode the last like three laps with me, all in the dark. And that that was a huge, huge mental boost. And they brought food and all sorts of stuff. They were huge support. And uh, it was really awesome. Made for a, a really incredible day. And other friends came out and rode, rode with me as well. And that was a big part of what was so fun about it. Just, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, is, do you have any other things like that you're doing in Utah? Do you go out of state for... Yeah, I like to... For me, riding the bike is how I experience... I've kind of learned that's how I like to experience the world. And so yeah. um, Utah's incredible. Um, I have family in California, so I've ridden in the Bay Area in California and up into Santa Rosa and along the coast and the vineyards there. That's pretty neat. Um, did a ride in Oregon with the Crater Lake um, Century that does a lap around Crater Lake. That was an amazing ride. And I went to Taiwan to do the Taiwan KOM Challenge in 2019. Um, oh, that must have been cool. That was amazing. Uh, absolutely incredible ride. Um, so yeah, I try to I try to get get around. I have dreams and ambitions to get out to Paris or well, excuse me, to more like the Alps. I really want to get out and ride some of the Tour de France climbs, um, the iconic climbs from cycling history. Haven't done that yet, but the reality is there are amazing places to ride here in Utah too. Um, yeah, and uh, I love it. I'm, Everything from southern Utah, there's a lot of variety with... Uh, like Moab and... Moab, I mean, the roads around Moab are pretty good. Um, really pretty. You're right with the Red Rock and the cliffs, and the St. George area's got some really spectacular riding. Um, our club, in the like spring training camp, will often ride into Zion's National Park, and that's really cool. Um, spectacular there. And then the canyons along the Wasatch Front are all amazing in their own right. Um... Yeah, there's really no shortage of great places to ride, uh, just even here in Utah. That being said, I do like to try to get out and about yeah. and go other places see, too. See some other things. So. Um, how often do you ride when there's snow on the ground versus... Oh, uh, yes, that's a loaded, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, I used to bike commute through the winter. Oh. Um, I then I, I bought myself a, a kicker, an interactive trainer. And once I got that, I'm like, okay, I've got to use that. And so and that helps me do better training in the winter because winter rides, you can't go hard or you sweat and then you chill. Yeah. And so I used to bike commute through the winter. Um, coldest commute I did was, I think, like six degrees. <laughs> and uh, that was dumb. My insulated water bottles froze solid. And my, oh, man. And my uh, glasses iced over because my breath would come up and freeze on them and stuff. And I... I got to work and I was like, that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I used to bike through the winter, but once I got the kicker, um, I've started trying to do a little more structure in the winter and get better training. Uh, and so, yeah, I've done both. And some days I really would rather be out on the road just because the trainer's a little more tedious, even with the tools like a kicker and the programs like Zwift or Ruby. I, I'm a Ruby fan myself, but most people are Zwifters. <laughs> okay. Do, uh, do you fix your own bikes, or do you take it into a oh. bike shop? I'm a mechanical nincompoop. Uh, <laughs> I gotcha. I have a friend who uh, lives close to me as a cyclist, and he's also a good mechanic. 
and I joke I joke that he is the patron saint for cheapskate cycl- um, nincompoops like myself because <laughs> he does a lot of uh, work helping me with my bike. Um, saved me a lot of money, and he he says he enjoys it. I try to repay him. I was repaying him in chocolate chip cookies until he said to stop, <laughs> and so I'm trying to find healthier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ways to show a gesture of thanks but yeah a friend of mine jim green has been really uh amazing for that for several years True. Um, can you grab my drink on the fridge by the yeah. fridge you sure you don't want anything to drink i'm fine okay yeah. so um but yeah i i'm a i'm a nincompoop i can i can lube and clean my chain and i can change a tube yeah. That's, about, that's about as far as I do. Anytime I, I, even when I try to just tune my shifters, I screw it up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good with the bike mechanic stuff. That's actually what I do for, I just go to the Walmarts and Smiths and I mean, we're putting together cheap bikes, but okay. it's all piece rate. So, got it. um, but I got into that because I welded up tall bikes. Mm-hmm. I sent the boss. Have you have you seen any of the I, tall bikes? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. I, I don't know if I would be gutsy enough to try riding one, but I've seen them. They're pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, I want to get, uh, they have tall bike jousting here. So I've, oh, wow. I've wanted to get, I've wanted to see it. We moved here in 2014. Okay. And I just have never gotten a hold of any of those people, but I've seen seen it on the internet, like Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but that that sounds uh, like a great way to uh, break a bone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it. Uh, um, you know, learning how to get on and off of those. Yeah. Gets. Uh, it gets a little challenging at first. When we'd ride around, I'd have to like stop at a light pole and like lean down and then yeah. climb down my bike. Yeah. But. So do you bring tubes with you when you do these tours, or? Uh, yeah. Um, most cyclists, you know, will put a a tube and uh, a few bit, a few essentials in, a, typically a saddlebag. Okay. Um, I just this season I got a new bike that's running tubeless, but I still keep a tube in case my tire uh, punctures or my sealant isn't working well. Yeah. Um, although I've loved it so far, I haven't had a. Once I got my new bike this season, I didn't have a single uh, flat. So okay. f- for me, tubeless has been really good. I've I've heard horror stories, but I've been really happy with the tubeless setup so far. Um, but you know, you still keep a tube handy, just as a yeah. last safety measure. I I don't like making that call of shame, as they call it, where you have to <laughs> call and say, "Hey, can you come get me?" <laughs> carry carry your bike behind yeah. you. Yeah, my wife doesn't like it when I make the call of shame either. She's like, "Really." <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you probably get pretty far away from the house too. Uh, huh? Just just depends. Most most days, you know, it's it's within ten miles of the house. But okay, uh, I mean, it just depends on the day. So does your wife go out and ride with you? No, she she kind of thinks I'm crazy. You yeah, know, she she's not into it. She has things that she enjoys, and she uh, it respects my obsession, and uh, you know that's good. You know, and I think it works well for us because uh, I I would be a lot more obsessive and kind of driven about it and interested in trying to ride fast. And she's much more, she'd be more ahead, she'd want to chill. And so she does her own thing and that that works well for us. Oh, that's cool. Um, So are there any other other things you're into? Well, I mean, I like to do, um, I I like, for me, it's about, you know, the adventure. I love climbs. Uh, I'm not that fast at climbs, at least not compared to the guys I ride with in my club. They can all drop me like a rock. Um, but I love I love the climbs, and 
Um, I've enjoyed things like doing some like overnight out and back adventures. Um, but kind of the luxury style, we'll, we'll pick a town and reserve a, a room at like a Motel 6 or something cheap. And we'll just bike out there and we'll spend the night and then we'll bike back. You know, try to pick something that's about 100, 100 miles away. So you're doing Ooh. a decent ride each way. Uh, I've only done that twice. I would kind of like to try to get in the routine of doing that to end each season, but it hasn't hasn't always come together. But that's a fun adventure, and it's a lot more accessible than bike packing because I don't have to have the yeah. little tent and the sleeping bag and all the stuff and get it all with the gear to put on your bike and everything. Um, I just throw a pair of uh, basically PJs to sleep in in a little bag that I can put on, you know, like the little hiking packs that you put around your waist or whatever yeah and some sandals like <clears throat> flip-flops that i can just tack onto that and and then i can just go out and back with very little that i have to carry and um i've discovered i don't like riding with backpacks or any of that stuff so um that was uh, how i've worked that out and that's been fun it's been accessible and a lot more comfortable having a hotel and yeah. go, go out to eat um for your meal and just makes for a fun adventure. We, the the first one I did was out to uh, you know middle of nowhere, Delta, Utah, um, and so it was more just for the sake of doing the adventure. And the next one we, uh, uh, with with some friends, we went out to Manta, Utah, okay, and back. And uh, both of those were really fun. And I've tried to you know, I've got others that I've planned and ambitioned and haven't done yet, um, but I'd like to, um, and yeah just like to get out there and try to do adventures you know um I'd yeah it's kind of freeing huh yeah and uh you know it's been fun to try to get off the beaten path a little bit i like i don't do mountain but i do like to get into gravel a little bit um not a whole lot i don't have a dedicated gravel bike but uh the new bike i've got can run um 32s i'm running 28s for the tires that's a little wider and it, it supports the gravel a little better and going tubeless you can have the lower pressure um, you know, some things like, uh, one of my favorites is just the stretch from, uh, the top of Little Cottonwood Canyon at the Albion Basin, just go on the dirt road above that to the uh, Secret Lake Campground. It adds like a mile and a half, maybe two miles, and it's a decent climb. It's not as steep as the rest of the canyon, uh, but it's really pretty, and, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's one of my little favorite ones to tack on to the end of that already kind of intense climb um yeah just kind of getting out there and having fun i love i love being in the mountains you know and as, yeah. a, as a roadie that just means you got to climb the canyons um <laughs> what uh what's the crazy have you seen any crazy stuff out there when you're driving around or um haven't seen yeah. bigfoot or anything right no I and mean, i've had some uh encounters with moose moose kind of it's kind of cool just keep your distance and i came around the bend on, on that road up to secret lake that dirt road just came around a horseshoe and maybe 150 200 feet ahead there was a moose and her calf yeah so with I, the calf that's yeah. that's uh yeah so just got off the bike and uh took a few pictures from a distance and waited for them to kind of clear out and then kept going um seen some elk and some you know deer kind of the regulars uh guys in the club i ride with have had uh seen mountain lions and stuff like that but I okay. Haven't, I haven't had that encounter yet. I'm fine with that. <laughs> so you must have some pretty cool pictures then. I mean, I I try to uh, get them with my phone. I'm not much of a photographer. Yeah. And, uh, 
most of the time I I don't like to stop when I'm climbing. It's like if I'm climbing and I stop, it's like well then I just have to get started again. Yeah. And I'm also one of those weirdos that always cares about my my time on Strava, and so it's like I don't want to stop and take a picture. Yeah, so I gotcha. I don't get as many as as I might, um, but you know I try to get some good pictures because um, yeah, part of it is just how beautiful the the rides are and the scenery is. So. How long does it take you to get a hunt? You said a hundred mile ride to the hotel mm-hmm. and then a hundred back. How long does that take? Oh, you know, it always depends on conditions and course and, you know, how yeah, flat how or steep. hilly and, gotcha. you know, what the wind is. And, you know, if you've got a good group to ride with, uh, that like when we, uh, when I've done those out and backs, those two day out and backs, that was, it was a pretty brisk pace both ways. Um, just about five hours. Okay. Um, so, you know, I feel like any time you can do uh, 100 miles in five hours, that's respectable. And uh, we were able to kind of keep that pace pretty brisk with the group I was with. And that was part of the fun, just trying to, you know, push a little bit and see what you can do. How many guys yeah. were you with at that point? Uh, that was a group of, there were four of us. Okay. Um, we had a really nice tailwind for a good chunk of it on the way out to Manti in particular. And then uh, the way back from Manti, it's a little more downhill, so that kind of helped as well that's that's a lot more fun huh yeah well depends i'm not much for the like the technical descents and whatnot um i like the climb more than i like the descent but the descent is easier (laughs) yeah yeah i remember uh, i was a kid and we used to ride up to a place i'm from southern california there's lake elizabeth we would come down it took us about two hours to get up there and like 45 minutes to get home. Mm-hmm. We're flying down the hill, passing people, yeah. doing 45. Yep. And uh, I stood up with my hands out, no-handed. Oh, geez. You know, and I hit one of those little tiny um, oh, God. reflectors that humbled me up so quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you stay upright or did you go down? No, I I made it. Oh, I didn't, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad because at that speed that could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I first got into the road bike, I kind of, I descended a lot more aggressively. Um, yeah. And I, I was overdoing it on uh, Mill Creek Canyon, which is a really pretty one. But Upper Mill Creek is very windy and very narrow. And I was, really, I was taking it much faster than I should have. And I went, I went down and went over the handlebars into the bushes and was just incredibly blessed to end up with nothing to show for it as far as injury yeah uh, tacoed the front wheel of my bike and it actually uh actually it, it ruined that frame but the, but it got warranted <laughs> okay yeah i um, tried to fla- a frame in for warranty once yeah it was the kind of thing where it took a long time for it to show up um the stress fractures that it caused they showed up like a year later and I, different I, model too right yeah, well, and I told the shop when I took it in, I'm like, I did have that crash. I'm like, oh, no, we'll warranty that for you. So that was very nice of them because it probably shouldn't have been. But anyway, when that when that happened and I went down at those speeds and I, you know, was like, wow, I can't believe I'm not hurt really badly. And just it was a wake-up call to me because I've got a wife and family to get home to yeah. every day. And ever since then, I've been a lot more conservative on the descents. Any of the guys in the club will be like, yeah, he's always the last one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just takes that one wake up. Yeah, um, I'm not doing it for, you know, even a race or money or bragging rights or anything. So um, when I'm descending, I'm trying to just make sure that it's all good. Um, 
I will say for me, the transition to disc brakes, which again happened this year with a new bike, has been really amazing for me with descending. Okay. Um, it's helped an awful lot. I feel a lot more in control, and so that's been nice. Yeah, the disc brakes, when we assemble them at Walmart, man, they're always always bent, you know, and mm -hmm. it just takes a little tiny hair hair bend for those things to be rubbing and uh, yeah that walmart's got 20 different bike styles now with those disc brakes on but hmm. that's something you really got to put the money into if you're gonna have them on those bikes yeah um <coughs> the shimano components those disc brakes they seem to be be pretty good yeah that, that you get on the the bikes you get from the other bike shops and whatnot they they i haven't had any issues with it so far yeah that's, that's been nice um and you know you can still get in trouble lock your back wheel and, and lose control or whatever but the, the disc brakes do give a lot more modulation uh, especially i was on uh carbon wheels with rim brakes and, okay and you just don't have as good braking power with that so going from that to a road bike with disc brakes has been a real nice change for me um yeah when i when i made that change to carbon wheels on the rims i was like oh man i started to realize i really wanted disc brakes and so that was a nice change a nice upgrade um have you went through pads i mean i would imagine that much descenting you'd probably oh. go through pads pretty quick yeah it's just part of the regular maintenance on on the bike which i'm good at neglecting but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know replacing brake pads is just kind of part of the normal uh maintenance for the bike so so if you somebody wants to get into it would you rather have them buy a bike from Walmart or go to like the bike co-op in downtown Salt Lake? And um, I would. So I would definitely recommend getting from a, a bike shop or yeah. a, a brand that, like, I my latest bike has been a Fazari. They're local. They're based out of uh, Pleasant Grove. Okay. Um, they make. I've been extremely happy with it. Um, but you know, I would say you know. Get, go from a bike shop or get a brand like a Fazari or a Canyon. Some of the brands that um, that are a little they're they're higher end than what you're going to find at like a Walmart. Oh yeah, and, for and, sure. you, and you're not going to regret it. Um, I would recommend uh, looking for if it's um, look for Shimano 105 components if you're just getting into it. Um, they're a great. It's a great component set, and it's a good value. Um, and you know it's gonna it's it all depends i i had a really lucky well fortunate way that i got into the into it my dad was really trying to encourage me to get into biking okay and long story short he actually bought me a bike um i almost didn't let him because i thought it was going to just be a garage ornament i was like yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> use it that much and i was like man my dad's gonna drop all this money and then it's gonna go to waste and you know, talking with my wife, and we said, you know, let's let's do it. And you know, I told her, I'm like, well, if we do it, then I'm committing to spending time on the bike, and that's going to be a change to all our schedule and everything. And and we both decided, yeah, well, let's let's go for it. And so, yeah, I let my dad buy me a bike, and uh, that was that was that. I I ended up getting very uh, engrossed, um, kind of hooked on it really quickly, and from there, it just it just kind of just took off. So. Um, my experience would be that you know um if you're gonna get into it then you'll you'll want a bike that's that's pretty nice yeah so it just it just depends on on your nature your personality and whatnot um i tend to be very if i do something i go all in and uh 
my dad actually felt it was so kind of crazy and I still laugh about it but he felt guilty that he didn't get me a nicer bike when he bought me a bike <laughs> um, he bought me a can uh, an aluminum frame Cannondale and it was a great bike I was totally happy with it and after about nine months he was feeling bad that he didn't get me a better one and he wanted to encourage a grandson his oldest grandson to get into biking as well and so he said hey how about we give my gr this grandson your bike and I will get you a a carbon framed Cannondale and that that happened and I wasn't about to complain but does he ride too yeah my dad <coughs> has been into it as well um, so do you guys do family rides like you got Thanksgiving coming up is that something yeah yeah we do it's been harder as our family's a little more spread out now okay. and uh, my parents are down in St. George and with the way things are with COVID right now we're my my mom has some health issues that means she's very high risk so uh won't be doing anything with family this this year, but okay. uh, we've done several century rides together with uh, the, my siblings and my my dad, and that's been a fun thing for us. Um, cycling's been an amazingly good thing for my whole family. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, it's like my dad has been up up to I, I believe he hit 300 pounds before he got into cycling. He maintains at about 170, 175 now, and as a he's like six foot six foot one, so. Um, really good for him. Um, I've been almost 200 pounds and I'm not a big guy by any means. And so, um, it's been amazing for me as far as, uh, the before and after pictures from bef like before I was into cycling and after it's, it's a huge difference. <laughs> I, yeah. look, I look at those pictures. I'm like, wow, I was junky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's been amazing for my physical health really good for my um, amazing cardio huh yeah and it's been really good for my just managing stress and kind of emotional health um the daily dosage of endorphins if you will kind of i've kind of become an endorphin junkie i, I need my daily fix <laughs> is it a da daily ride then uh, i ride six days a week six um, days how uh on your average day how how much do you ride well, yeah, it depends. You give yourself an off-season. Um, kind of right now is the off-season, and you need that physically and mentally from everything yeah. I've read. During peak season, um, you know, most rides will be... A, typical ride will be 20 miles, but I'll throw in a few that are 40 or 50 on the week. Um, you know, averaging between 190 and 220 miles a week uh, during the peak season when you're riding a lot, training a lot. And, like, right now... I'm getting in like 15 miles a week a day um, and not getting in six days a week as much right now. I'm kind of, kind of slacking, but yeah, <laughs> well, no, it's getting cold. <laughs> yeah. I just got my bike on the trainer. Um, so it's been on the trainer and that also dampens the, the motivation a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the trainer, that's like something you, it's like a stationary treadmill almost like, yeah, there are, there are lots of different options. There's the, uh, um, there are some where you can just put your bike as is right on the trainer and your back wheel will turn a flywheel, um, that gives it resistance. There are others, I mean, you can buy a stationary, like an exercise bike there, yeah. or you can buy like the one that, the one that I'm using is, it's a common type where you actually take the back wheel off and it, the trainer has the cassette with the gears okay. on it. And then you just put your bike on the trainer 
and it turns its system with a flywheel that provides resistance. Okay. And, and then, then you can switch resistance? Yeah. And so the the interactive ones, like what I've got, there's the Wahoo Kicker. There's like a Tax Neo. There, there are quite a few different brands. There's Cyclops. There are a lot of different ones. But they actually are interactive. You can use a program called Zwift if you, that... Um, well, actually, you, you're on a virtual course, and as the road g goes uphill, it changes the resistance, and as it goes downhill, oh, it changes okay. the resistance. And it just hooks into your TV or something, um, like a flat screen? Run, run it on a computer, and okay. you usually get an accessory. There, there are these USB dongles that can then communicate with the kicker and with your bike sensors. Um, Zwift is a really popular one. It's, there's virtual races, and you can get out there and have hundreds of people ra racing with you at the same time. Oh, that's cool. Um, I personally like Ruby. A bit more. Ruby does something. You you still have other people on the course. It doesn't get nearly as many users. But I'm not as worried about the race as I, I am about. Like I've said, I love the scenery. I love seeing places. And Ruby does things where, they've captured video, from a GoPro on a bike, and okay. then and then they actually have the GPS data and everything, and the GoPro is synced to the course. And so as the elevation as it gets steeper or shallower, it provides the resistance changes as well. But you're right. It feels you're more riding in real time. Yeah, and in, in a real place, more so. Like um, it's it's real footage. Like Zwift is kind of the graphics just don't do much for me. Yeah. Um, whereas Ruby, it's real footage of places that I want to ride. So like I've done the Ruby route of uh, the like climbs in the Tour de France. Um, I've revisited the Taiwan KOM Challenge on Ruby, um, which is kind of fun to go and reminisce on doing that again. Yeah. So, so I'm, I've I've really liked Ruby. I'm a little bit of the um, oddball compared to most of the people in my club and people I know that just love Zwift. They're just way into Zwift. And I would imagine the more real realistic footage would be the way to go. It depends on what you're in for. Like the guys that love Zwift, they love that competition. They love getting out there and having hundreds of people on the courts at the same time. So there's always someone to chase, and you know, and that's and that that's great if that's what you're in for and that's what you love. Um, I, I love it for the, I like to push myself and I like to see, you know, beautiful places while I'm riding. And so for me, Ruby does a lot more for me. And I find that I'm more motivated to feel like, okay, I'm riding, uh, like Mont, Von, Mont Ventoux from the Tour de France. It's an iconic climb. And to feel like I'm riding this historic climb and let's see what I can do versus I'm riding some virtual thing in Zwift. For me, that does more mentally to engage me. Okay. and uh, challenge me and say, well, let's see what I can actually do on this actual climb. And granted, it's virtual and it doesn't really count, but it's still... you still got resistance. What yeah. about, uh, like, when you're moving the bike back and forth? Like, when you're... Does that... Does it account for that, or is it um, just, like, straight? You're just pedaling and it's yeah. mounted, mounted. Well, so, yeah, it's mounted, and most of the virtual um, riding experiences they don't have any steering i believe that zwift has introduced a notion of steering that you can uh do something where you have your front wheel you're on a little thing that can turn okay and then as you turn that it registers and but do it, some it, leaning and stuff um but most of them you don't have the lean okay and there are people that they'll set up a system where they they put something under their trainer that can let it rock okay and there are some trainers that actually have the ability to rock um uh, Kinetic has a, a road machine that can rock for the bike, and a few others have done that. Um, Cyclops has been putting in some things for that. Um, but it's very different because it, when you're riding on a bike on the road 
and you lean, you've got the gyroscopic effect and you're leaning into it and, and it's a very different feel than if you're just leaning against a spring yeah, I or whatever, you. which is kind of what it is. Because you've and got so, natural gravity. Yeah, and so um, none of the experiences that are out there so far play into that in terms of how you steer and navigate. It's pretty much... Um, I didn't not, even think about that, but you probably would have to get used to it because you would... Yeah. You'd literally just be falling over if you didn't have the... Yeah, because the gyroscopic yeah. effect of the wheels is what keeps you from falling. And, you know, it stabilizes your bike and all that. And on the trainer, you don't have that. And so it's kind of the spring-loaded thing, and it's very different. But the thing that... The ability for your bike to rock a little bit on the trainer, it's more about comfort. And that's part of where the trainer is harder for me to stay motivated is just because it's not as comfortable. Because on the road, the bike, it moves under you a little bit. And so the saddle, you're sitting on the saddle, it, 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 it's noticeable that the saddle bugs you more when it's on a trainer and it's locked. Okay. Because your body's kind of moving against the saddle in subtle, small ways. Yeah. And so when I'm on the trainer, you know, I'll be, after an hour on the trainer, I'm, I'm kind of ready to be done just from, you know, saddle discomfort. But I can be on the road bike on the road for hours. Have you thought about getting one of those big snow bikes or? A uh, fat bike? Yeah. Um. No, I, I haven't. Um, Do you like the cold? I hate the cold. I'm from Southern California. So. I'm, I'm not much for the cold. Yeah. Um, I grew up here in Utah. I've always had the cold, but um, I served a religious mission in a tropical country and came back, and I've forever been spoiled against the cold. You were done with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, two years down in, it was Honduras, and uh, came back from that, I'm like, oh, gosh. I, I, no, I don't, I don't. I mean, I biked through the cold for several seasons, but... In general, I'm not a not a fan of the cold. Yeah, because then you're moving. You got wind blowing against your yeah. face. I'd, I'd imagine there's still a lot of people that do it, but yeah, it, there there are, but it's a lot less. Yeah. Um, I personally have felt like drivers are more attentive to cyclists during warmer weather because they don't expect to see cyclists on the road when it's cold. I gotcha. And so I I. F- I've had a few encounters. I've had two crashes with cars, and one of them was a winter crash. And it might just be in my mind, but um, but I feel like drivers don't... Uh, they're not expecting to see cyclists in the winter, and so, you know, they'll be on a road that in the summer is frequented by bikers, and it kind of becomes part of the, the driver's consciousness in yeah. some way, the collective consciousness to some degree, and that, that's not there in the winter, I, I feel. See, I was just talking to my son. We had to dropped the deposit off today but uh we were driving i saw a road biker riding with traffic yeah when i used to dirt jump jump i always rode against traffic uh, so yeah. i could see the cars yeah. you, know? you know it's interesting that's that's one of my uh personal pet peeves yeah and and it's because statistically from things i've read and my my brother in cycling is a real number cruncher and he's an advocate for cycling safety and uh very involved in that community he was um, he lives up near Riverdale, in Riverdale, actually, um, near Hale Air Force Base. But anyway, um, the statistics actually bear out that the most dangerous way to ride is against traffic. Is against traffic. Um, the only thing, I think I'm trying to remember if the, riding on the sidewalk or riding against traffic bears out to be the worst. But those are the two things that are the most dangerous statistically. Um, because... It, well, if you're on the sidewalk, you have to behave like a pedestrian and stop at intersections. Cars aren't going to see you, and they're going to pull in front of you and stuff like that. Yeah. And the most, uh, the biggest hazard to you on the road is um, 
it's not from overtaking. That can, when you first start riding on the road, that's what feels scary is when cars overtake you. Okay. But the biggest hazard is cars turning in front of you. Yeah. And it's cars pulling out of parking lots and cars turning left in front of you. And so the biggest hazards are what's in front of you. And if you are moving in the same way, in the same direction cars move, then you're going to be more likely to be in the car's field of vision. If I'm going to turn left, I'm not looking for a, a biker going the wrong going direction. Going the opposite. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And just in general, the, as you behave more like a car, you're more visible to cars. And as my brother, like I said, that's really into the cycling safety and advocate, he would even go so far as to say that, no, you don't want to annoy and upset people, but if someone honks at you, that means they at least saw you. Yeah. And, uh... Well, it was a little different for me, too, because I could, you know, I'd bunny hop on and off the curbs yeah. as people were coming. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I was very aware I didn't want to get hit, so I'm looking yeah. for what other people aren't looking for. But mm -hmm. on well, a road bike, you don't got as much maneuverability. Yeah, you're not as maneuverable, not as agile. Um, I would say that I've learned that as a, as a cyclist and a road cyclist, it's made me a more aware driver. Because... Yeah you learn to really keep your eyes peeled as a cyclist and then it just translates to when you drive as well. Because, um, yeah, you do have to keep your eyes peeled and you kind of have to assume that a car that's coming out of a parking lot isn't seeing isn't you. Isn't looking for you at all. <laughs> and uh, and the thing that, you know, a lot of a lot of drivers don't re realize and recognize, you know, the reason that cyclist is not way over the right is because there's debris that would trash his tires that as a driver you don't even think about. And really, ultimately as a cyclist your first concern is to you, you want to be legal and you want to be visible and you're more visible and you're safer when you are actually a little closer to the traffic because that's when they'll see you okay and so now you don't want to be blocking the lane but if i'm in a bike lane on the that's you know to the right of the road i'll be in the bike lane and i'll actually i won't get all the way over into the shoulder because i need cars to see me and so you do what's legal but visibility is one of your big um your big things make sure that cars see you and so you know lights on your bike i like to try to have lights on even during the day um just to try to make sure cars see you and everything and so a lot of uh people i talk talk to that just driving like why do cyclists do this and that and it's like you know most of the time it's because that's safer and because the first thing that makes them safe is when they when they when they're visible yeah and so um, I can I can say from experience that as a cyclist, I never want to annoy or upset a driver. Um, I feel like I'm always trying to kind of, um, kind of be a a good representative, a good spokesperson, if you will, for cycling. Because I, I, gotcha. I feel like there's a lot of angst from a lot of drivers that are yeah. about cyclists, and so it's like I'm always kind of on edge. But I I have moments. Everybody has moments where they do something stupid without meaning to. I've I've annoyed drivers. I'm like, oh gosh, and then I'm really mad at myself because I did something dumb. You know, we're all human. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess that's me ranting a little bit about, you know, riding on the roads, and uh, trying to make sure that cyclists and drivers get along because we're all people, and uh, a cyclist has a family to come home to, and uh, you know, a life. Is and this something that you want to do, like as a job? So um. No. Make a living off of, or S cycling, or yeah, like cycling, traveling around. Oh, if I mean, if it could provide for me as well as software engineering does, then sure. But it, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, How many people are making a living? Because you, you would have to literally be racing, right? Are there other ways to make a living? Oh, I'm sure there are. Like, I, I saw something, a guy that, he basically, he likes to kind of do the adventure and the challenge stuff that I, does, I do, but he likes to do, like, crazier stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he does YouTube videos and yeah, podcasts, and okay. he, he gets enough attention that apparently he can afford to do so. He So, like, the Taiwan Kowon Challenge I mentioned, it starts at sea level and ends at o- almost 11,000 feet. And uh, it's, like, in 60 miles, you climb, do all that climbing. It's a huge, huge climb. Well, he uh, he rode that four times back to back to back to back, like oh. four times consecutive. Um, you know, and so that's the kind of stuff he'd go and do that would get enough attention that he could then, you know, get traffic on his YouTube. So you can. Yeah, it's not like yeah, like other ways. No, well, and, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of ways if you can try to be creative. But yeah. It's, but it's the kind of thing where it seems like for every... Every person that succeeds at it, there probably are 200 that try and don't get noticed and don't, you know, get the attention they need to actually be able to generate revenue. Yeah, for sure. And and even, like, pro cycling is not a very lucrative professional sport. Un- unless, even if you get at the top level, you're racing in the Tour de France. Most of the riders in the Tour de France, I mean, it's, it's not Still like, have day jobs. Well, I don't know if they have day jobs, but... You know, where you like the league minimum for the NBA is like two hundred thousand a year or something like that. Okay. And I, I I would guess I don't really have any hard numbers, but I would guess that your um average team member of a a pro cycling team probably makes um this is just not a lot. I would I would wager it's probably around forty grand a year or something like that. So okay. it's not it's not like they're, you know, rolling in the bank. If you but, were a single guy living by yourself, yeah, just wanted to travel, that probably because they probably mm-hmm. pay some of the travel expenses and stuff too, right? Oh yeah, when they're traveling, you get sponsored by a bike company, and I do. Do they do videos? Like I used to watch a lot of skate videos. Do they have like team ride videos for um, road I biking? I haven't seen a whole lot of that. I mean, I'm sure there's some of that going on. Um, you know, and the thing about the, like, pro cycling is that's the, the world tour level. Yeah. And, but, and that's the very rare. The more the more accessible that most people could potentially get at, if they're better than I am, would be, like, the, the pro continental where they're riding more just regionally, et cetera. And those people, they do have a day job, you know, that they have to. So the only way you get so you don't have a day job is if you get good enough that you're riding with the teams that ride in the Tour de France, and that's... That's extremely rare, and so, and I'm I'm old enough now that it's it would be out of the out of the, out of the question. I'm 41, yeah. and uh, you know the pros they retire at 39 or 40. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Any any idea of trying to make a living in cycling wouldn't work. And yeah, if I was single and didn't have a, a family and a home and a mortgage and whatnot, I I might try to get creative with it, but. I'm fortunate to have a job that I enjoy that that pays the bills well enough that I have the time that I can can do cycling as a hobby. Yeah, that's so. that's always good. Um, where's the next place you're planning on going? No, oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been really intrigued by um, some there's a, an option to do a like a bike tour thing in Alaska. Oh. Um, it, it would be like a week-long bike touring thing in Alaska that looks uh, spectacular. During the summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one that I've really been interested in. 
there's also a week-long thing in uh i've mentioned that i want to get out into the the iconic climbs in france uh-huh um there are some week-long um bike tour things there that hit a lot of the iconic climbs there so that's another that i want to do both those are expensive enough and hard enough to work out logistically that it's probably going to be a few years before i try to tackle that just shipping the bike huh um yeah well and just the flight and the hotel and the lodging and all that it it adds up real quick yeah um and so you know those are things that are on my bucket list i don't know when they'll happen um so what i haven't really decided what i'm going to be doing next season um there are some rides there's one from fresno california that goes up into the uh the sierras okay in that that area that looks really spectacular i'd be interested in doing that um yeah and i still have some bucket list rides i want to do even around here i want to i haven't gotten a chance yet to go do uh uh snow basin powder or is it powder mountain which one is the steep one Uh, i can't remember i think it's powder mountain that's the steep one um anyway up near uh pine view reservoir and then up into the up to the ski resort there's i want to do one that goes from uh torrey utah up to the peak of a it's on the uh cocapelli relay the rockwell relay route okay goes up high into a mountain summit i haven't done that so i want to do that there's a climb from cedar city well sorry actually from uh near hurricane utah that goes up to uh kolob um kolob canyon area that gets up into the high elevations i want to do uh, I want to do Cedar City up to Cedar Breaks and Bryan Head. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff just in Utah that I still haven't got to that I want to. Um, and I'm always up for, you know, anytime I can get down to do the Alpine Loop or Little Cottonwood King and Big Cottonwood King, and I love all of those. So. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any, do you do any videos or? I don't. Um, I don't have the equipment. Yeah. I actually was really, I, I, purchased a device called um gosh all of a sudden i'm drawing a blank uh raptor every site glasses that are glasses that have the camera built into them and they do an, a heads-up display for your bike computer and it looked absolutely oh, man, amazing that's... and it would record video for you and i was really thrilled and excited about it but my uh facial structure it didn't work with my facial structure i I would have had to like put something else on my nose to get the glasses to sit uh, right to see the heads up display. And so I uh, got a re- I returned and got a refund, but I was really excited to get that cuz then I would record video and just be able to just uh, even just I just say a word and it would take a picture for me so I'd get pictures on my ride without stopping. I was excited about that gizmo, but it just doesn't work with uh with my facial structure. Yeah, that thing sounds pretty cool. So, but yeah, those Eversight glasses, they looked really neat. Um and if I put that little something else on my nose to put the glasses where they needed to be, they they were really neat, but I wasn't going to be able to ride like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to spend the money on it and then have to jury-rig something for something that was that expensive because they weren't cheap. So I, I returned those. But You got anything else you're looking into for that? or? Um, no. I, I mean, I could do a GoPro, but, you know, I don't think that my videos are going to be all that interesting compared to all the other videos everybody takes and so i haven't yeah, it sounds like you go to some pretty cool places I, I i do but i so all the other guys i ride with in my club do the same so okay. <laughs> uh you know it's uh, i'm not 
I don't have a monopoly on riding any of these climbs or riding any of these spectacular places. They've become very popular destinations for cyclists. Yeah, that's probably and on a, a global level. People probably try to come to Utah for specific rides, I would imagine, huh? I, I'm not as aware. I think that they they certainly should. There are some world-class climbs here in Utah and uh, spectacular canyons with, and scenery. Um, I think, unfortunately, as the Wasatch Front has gotten more and more crowded, the traffic on those climbs yeah. is, is a little less than ideal. Um, it's definitely nice to kind of hit them on weekdays rather than weekends, but... <laughs> um, but it hasn't been too bad yet. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great places, and so many people do ride them that I, I guess I don't feel like I've got the cur the monopoly on uh, you know getting videos that aren't already being captured by so many other people. Um, there are a lot of cyclists in Utah. And that's been cool to see. Um, most days when I ride the canyon, I'll see 20, 30 other people riding up that canyon as well. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's good. Okay. Well, it's been about. 49 minutes. Okay. Um, did you want anybody to follow any of your social media? or? I'm not that... I don't... I mean, I have a Facebook page, but I don't I don't really do Twitter yeah. or any of that stuff, so no, I'm not that worried about it. I actually was really surprised when somebody suggested that... gave you my name, because I just feel like I'm just a cyclist that likes to ride. What well, I can say... Obviously, you got to be <laughs> respected, so... Well, I'm enthusiastic is what I am. I'm I'm I I'm enthusiastic and I talk about it. And so, you know, some of the guys on the club must go, Oh hey Danny's a talker, so yeah, how <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the best. I just I love it. It's been amazingly good for me and uh so I'm enthusiastic and I'll tell anybody about it. So I guess that's why they brought me up. <laughs> okay. Would well, you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh no, other than just it's you know if you're thinking about it i'd say go for it and um as I'm, I'm a huge advocate for it it's been such a good thing for me um like i said physically emotionally mentally all of that it's been it's been huge for me and so it, it can really transform transform your life in an awful lot of ways and so if you're thinking about it i'd say go for it um and and let yourself get into it um i guess that's what i'd say Okay, sounds good. Well, this was an episode of The Yurt. You guys take it easy, and we'll be back again with another episode. Have a good night.